Welcome to Vantage Point Podcast, a podcast brought to you by NWR Communications and 92 Studio. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute financial advice. Great. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, my name's Simon Hinsley. I'm the Director of NWR Communications. Uh, and what we want to do today is, is get behind the story of Race Against Sports, which is listed on the ASX under the ticker of RTH. With us today, we have Stephen Crisp, Racing and Sports uh, CEO. Thanks very much for joining us, Stephen. Thanks, Simon. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Uh, so I think what I sort of wanted to do for a start was just get a bit of a backstory around how Racing and Sports came about. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, your father founding the business uh, and, and just the evolution from being you know, a pure sort of form form business to evolving into a technology business. Yeah, look, Racing and Sports was started um, well, over 20 years ago now uh, by Gary and uh, his business partner, Robert. Um, and it was started primarily as a, uh, a digital platform, so a website uh, back in the early days of the internet, um, and they intended to monetize it through advertising. To do that, they needed data and content for the website, and they realized very quickly that the data actually had a lot of value. So um, I guess that grew very quickly in terms of acquiring all that data, um, working out how to enhance it and make it meaningful for um, you know, to bet on uh, for customers from a B2C perspective. The real value then came from a B2B perspective. As bookmakers started moving online, uh, they were looking for better information they could provide their customers and so on and so forth. So fast forward to 2023, uh, the business now covers over 30 countries of racing uh, where they acquire the data, uh, the raw data, they enhance it, and then they produce content products for wagering operators around the world. Uh, it's a really enriched product, a really sophisticated product that um, you know, a lot of IP and know-how in the business to generate this on a daily basis for over 30 countries and distribute that in a variety of formats to all of our customers. So uh, it's a really, a really um, you know, sophisticated business uh, that the guys um, you know, probably embarked upon. Um, they would never have thought the business would be where it is today um, when they started this uh, 20 uh, odd years ago. And in terms of how, uh, obviously, your father founded the business, how did you come back into the business? Were you always in the business? What's your sort of history there? Yeah, good question. I uh, started in the business as a a technical developer, um, actually, back in uh, early 2000s. I'd left a job at Deloitte's, um, joined the company, worked there for five years, um, doing a lot of the early days innovation, so developing the websites, uh, e-com platforms. Uh, We did video streaming for the Melbourne Cup and uh, Magic Millions um, sales. So, you know, really at the leading edge, um, you know, using things like ISDN lines and dial-up modems, it was really early days for that technology. And today it's, you know, commonplace. But um, I, I left after five years um, and uh, went and did my own thing, you know, completely different um, fields, so in security and intelligence, still dealing with tech and data, big data. Uh, moved overseas to the UK for a couple of years. I uh, came back and then started my own business uh, in the same field, in that in, um, intelligence security, um, really looking at data, tech, architecture. Um, you know, I sold that business after about 10 years and then obviously the opportunity to come back to racing and sports and, uh, and grow it um, internationally and, and also then take over as a listed entity. So for me, it was um, a dream come true, something that I'd, I'd always hoped to do, but, you know, obviously um, life has its twists and turns. Um, mm. But, yeah, I was fortunate that I got the opportunity. So just to sort of frame, uh, frame the, the conversation, so obviously racing and sports is listed, uh, Mark caps about $21 million, there's about $10 bucks in cash. Um, so it's talking talking to an EV of about ten million dollars, which is uh, obviously much less than than what you listed at um, at IPO, raising roughly sort of twenty million dollars of new capital um, at a dollar fifty. Stocks, you know, sort of at forty six cents. Where where do you sort of see? Um, obviously, you raise money to invest in new products, invest in new streams, mm. um, new geographies, and whatnot. Where do you sort of see, um, or when do you see that paying off? Um, and what's yeah. the sort of potential there in terms of growth? 
Yeah, so look, since we IPO'd, I mean, 18 months, we've had a, a fairly, um, you know, significant uplift in the corporatization of the business. So um, we really have invested in our sales function, our productization uh, of our tech, um, and really getting that into new global markets. So um, I think we'll see the rubber hit the road uh, imminently on a number of those products, such as the white label wagering platform. Uh, the trading manager platform's already in market with several big clients, and we're looking to expand that. Uh, the data and tech side of the business um, and, and content side of the business is growing. Sports is coming online, and we've launched our first sports products um, and we've got customers taking that up as of uh, two days ago um, without much um, effort really to to do the convincing the product sells itself it's so good uh, the statistics and the um, you know the telemetry that it gives a, uh, a punter is um, is above what in, you know is out in the market today so we're already seeing the the you know the rubber hit the road in terms of the product um, of of the raise so and and just in terms of just taking a step back again, you talked to a number of sort of different business divisions there. Can you just give us a bit of a, a backdrop on on what what they all are and, and what sort of generates the most revenue as well? Yeah, definitely. So Racing Sports has four discrete business lines. Um, wholesale data and content is the uh, most longstanding part of the business. It's been in existence for pretty much the whole 20 years. Uh, it's been uh, growing year on year as well, though, as we bring on additional countries and sell data to um, to our clients. Um, so upselling to existing clients and also bringing on new clients who are looking for best in class, best of breed um, content uh, and information for their, their customers to punt on. Um, then we have our wagering technology and services side of the business, which really is our wagering... Um, our wagering host platform, which is due to launch um, in uh, in this quarter, and uh, and also the trading manager platform, and our managed trading services. So they're all new products into the um, into the business as of the last couple of years, and um, are growing at a at a fairly rapid rate. Um, they're all based on a percentage of turnover and subscription fee model. So um, again, the revenues for those are um, actually you know they they grow as uh, turnover grows and the success of our customers grow as well. So they're they're great um, great tools and great products for the business. And, and just in terms of from a competitive landscape, how, you know, what's the company's IP? How do you sort of differentiate between every other sort yeah. of offering? And and do you have, uh, can you sort of talk to your key customers and uh, in terms of validation and whatnot? Yeah, so key customers in Australia, I mean, all the big, you know, uh, tier ones, I mean, the majority of tier ones in Australia are our customers. Um, you know, in terms of the IP that's been built up in the business and the know-how and the systems, uh, that's been built up over 20 years and in some cases iterated um, several times to get the most efficient, uh, effective and, and accurate um, processing frameworks and products uh, for our customers. I mean, to process the amount of data we do on a daily basis to produce product to send out to all of our uh, bookmaker customers uh, and industry customers for that matter is no um, easy task. And um, and that's a real mountain to climb for anyone looking to compete with us. It's something we do really well, um, and the company is known for the accuracy and the quality of those products. And and just in terms of obviously data is at the core of racing mm. and sports. Um, can you just talk to how you capture? Um, and what you actually do with that data, obviously generating products and whatnot. Sure. I mean, working with rights holders for the the source of the data is um, is absolutely essential. So supporting them, supporting the industry. Uh, and then that raw data that we uh, receive is then enhanced with a team in Sri Lanka and in Australia to um, add additional data points into that, that data. Um, and then once we've got that, it goes into the processing frameworks, which then create um, our our products, which is then distributed out to all of our clients. So it's a really unique part of the value chain between where the event is created um, and where it's actually used by the end customer. We sit firmly in the middle of that to create an enhanced product um, for our customers, uh, which is bespoke to each of our customers as well. If they want something different for their customer set, we can do that for them and produce it on a daily basis. So it's a really mission critical system. 
Uh, and in terms of obviously you've got a, a stranglehold in Australia, how do you sort of look at US, Europe, UK, et cetera? Mm. How do those sort of markets differ in terms of yeah. Yeah, market size and, and sort of ne- nuances of yeah, them as well? good question. I mean, they all are different. I mean, like the US is obviously quite different. It's a very sports-led, um, you know, wagering ecosystem as opposed to racing. Um, and then the UK is probably more similar to Australia but still has its nuanced, um, you know, nuanced data and, uh, and content. So we um, obviously customise all of our data for the the region that it's going uh, and to the consumer that's actually going to be using it. So uh, we cover, you know, obviously all of the uh, the racing in the UK as well as uh, in the US with our partnerships there. We have partnerships with XBNet in the US for their export of uh, their racing. Um, and obviously that's uh, you know, presented on the racing sports digital assets as well and vision and, and content um, and uh, and yeah, then distributed to all the bookmakers here. But, um, but in terms of the UK market, that's obviously a growth area for us. We have four people over there at the moment and uh, hopefully that team will continue to grow as we bring on new business in that part of the world. And just in terms of, um, I think I've heard you sort of talk in the past about the difference between a, a bookie um, you know, or a potential customer having form mm-hmm. and having tips and whatnot um, versus someone who obviously isn't paying for that data. Um, what does that sort of look like in terms of, yeah, from a turnover and therefore a revenue perspective to, to those sort of customers and how much of a difference does it make? Mm-hmm. Sure. If uh, yeah, I mean, look, we know the data has a, a direct correlation to to turnover and participation. So if you go to a bookmaker who has no um, enhanced content, no tips, no um, yeah, no information that allows you to form an assessment yourself, um, mm. you're going to be very um, reluctant to have a bet. You're driving blind essentially. So mm. the quality um, of having tips there, but also information around how the horses run, uh, what happened in the last race. You know, maybe it got checked at the 600. Um, you know, didn't get a good run. You know that well, it's probably going to run better this time. That gives me a bit of an opinion about that horse maybe i'll put some money on it to participate so it gives the um the punter a sense of uh, confidence that they've at least learned something about uh, the race and the opportunities um, and they can make a, a risk assessed you know, judgment on their own based on information but if you don't have that you you're essentially just guessing mm. and and just in terms of um the sort of you know wagering um landscape obviously um yeah there's points bet uh has made a lot of noise in australia you know going to to uh, us and whatnot how does yeah is it is it just a customer acquisition game yeah how, how does sort of new innovation new products mm. uh, and racing and sports yeah leverage into that to to make a difference to these sort of guys yeah so US is a really tough one um, you know the incumbents over there are massive um, they have a lot of money to spend on on advertising and marketing um, I think um, you know FanDuel uh, was quoted spending half a billion dollars uh, on customer acquisition so marketing costs etc um, you know so for points bet to try and come into that market and compete meaningfully is going to be extremely hard. Um, the one area we can help with bookmakers looking to to compete in that part of the world is content data innovation. Um, we're working with um, with you know, TBG FanDuel already around supply of content for their parimutuel racing product, um, and we're working with Sky Racing World, who are a partner um, over there in the US. They're fully owned by Tapcor, and um, and they're our, our you know partner over there in the US uh, for distribution of content and um, and uh, innovation to the US market. So again, a really good partnership model for us, and allows us to get you know access to those those clients through a um, you know through a a, a partnership model and in terms of yeah how you sort of look at running the business how do you balance yeah a need for yeah innovation um mm-hmm. with sort of you know the market's request for stability and profitability how do you sort of look at that sure i mean racing and sports was born um out of uh, innovation and mm-hmm. um experimentation you know failing fast has been a key mm-hmm. tenet of what we do we we build we test uh if it doesn't hit the mark we we put it on the shelf and move on and there are things that we have bought back off the shelf and um you know they were before their time 
So the company um, is, is always innovating. Um, we do that through an in-house team here and also in Sri Lanka. So the cost is very low for us to do that. The team are really highly experienced in wagering tech uh, and wagering products. So again, that helps to really um, hone in on, on the areas where innovation is going to hit the mark. So such as the animations that we're working on at the mm. moment for the VRC and other clients, um, you know, so they uh, you know, do a race uh, prediction in uh, you know, an animated race based on the racing and sports predictive models um, and analytics. So it, it gives a new punter and a younger demographic graphic punter, something much more visual to look at. And that's just one example of the innovation mm. that we're using at the moment to really bring racing to a younger demographic um, to ensure its its future is, um, you know, is relevant. And, and talking to a young younger demographic, obviously, uh, there's been some sort of discussion with regards to, you know, capturing new customers and whatnot. Mm. Um, how does, how do you see racing and sports sort of fostering that um, and helping, you know, uh, you know attract you know, millennials and whatnot uh, with, you know, sort of newer products and et cetera. Yeah, so it's all around the gamification um, and interactivity of product as well. So bookmakers uh, everywhere around the world, not just in Australia, are looking to, to engage with that younger demographic who are coming out of, you know, e-gaming, e-sports, um, you know, sports as well, and really representing racing in a way that they can consume and understand more easily. So we've built a range of tools, uh, wagering tools that allow a younger punter, a younger demographic or a novice punter to come in and actually, you know, do some uh, exotic betting, um, really simply um, using our easy better tool and um, you know that's a it's quite an entertaining tool it's sort of a uh, it's a social uh, application uh, then we have the animations of course which is an engagement tool mm. um, and uh, some other information and, and uh, visualizations we're working on for that younger demo to really um, you know drive racing in a way that they're probably more used to seeing in their in their normal day-to-day life and and in terms of where you sort of see the company going over the next you know, three to five years mm. where is it you know in multi jurisdictions in terms of both you know, sport uh, and different countries or where, where do you sort of see yeah, the, the yeah. considerable growth coming from? Yeah, so look across the board, I mean, we're seeing large growth at the moment in the wagering uh, technology space, but also on the data and content as well. So those two will continue to grow hand in glove. Uh, the digital side of the business is also growing. We've launched a racing and sports uh, co.uk website, um, and that will um, you know, obviously um, you know, give the company more presence in the UK market where we're also growing. Um, you know, So there is, there is significant growth across the business um, as we move into um, you know, GGR model deals where it's a percentage of turnover. Um, and that's things through our wagering tech, our trading platform and managed trading service, which we've launched into market as well. Um, you know, the trading strategy we have um, in our wagering technology space is, um, is quite innovative, where we have a three-tiered product everywhere from the first tier being just an information product all the way through to our software as a service uh, trading platform that bookmakers can use to trade their own operation to a fully outsourced solution as well. So it's a three-tier solution that um, bookmakers can use that we would receive a percentage of turnover on, um, you know, based on on their turnover and their success. So, um, you know, and using all the racing and sports telemetry and information enables mm. efficiency and for them to be successful. So there's a lot of growth in that wagering tech space and we're always innovating. That's where the biggest uh, part of the innovation is coming into play. Um, and just a little bit off topic, but one thing that I, I wanted to ask just in terms of working with your dad, Mm. Um, how do you find that personally, professionally, um, yeah. and how do you go about that? Good, yeah. Well, look, we're good mates. I mean, we've got a very unique father and son relationship, and um, you know, I'm really fortunate that um, you know we talk every day and we talk a lot of business, and um, mm. you know, it's exciting. We both have a shared interest in that, but you know, also outside of work, we're we're good mates as well, and we just enjoy spending time together. So, yeah, it's really uh, I'm really lucky. I mean, he's obviously founded the company and mm. built it to where it is today. Um, you know, now you know, taking the reins, um, you know, and still learning from him, but also you know, I think he's learning a little bit from me as well. So it's a, it's a nice dynamic. 
That's uh, certainly unique and, mm. uh, and nice to see. And obviously, I, I spoke earlier um, just around the valuation of the business. Yeah. Um, so roughly, you know, the, the market saying it's you know worth ten million dollars x the cash. Mm. Um, yeah, the num- a number of these sort of wagering content deals are quite significant in terms of you know dollar amount. Does it not? And I, I know this might sound like a silly question, but does it not make sense for mm. for someone to you know actually try and buy racing and sports close off? You know, all of the others in terms of from a competitive advantage um, and just snaffle it up and keep it for themselves. Yeah, look, racing sports has always been here to serve the industry. So mm-hmm. we, we are a little bit like Switzerland in that way. We do we do try and, um, you know, uh, remain independent uh, and we have remained independent even up to our, our um, uh, the website platforms as well. So in terms of, I mean, if somebody was to do that, I think it would be a, a massive coup, but we certainly have no interest at the moment in, um, you know, in selling the business in that way. I mean, it's um, it's still got a lot of growth and a lot of opportunity to explore. Yeah. Um, and what happens in the future is, you yeah. know, Mostly un- unknown, but you know we are. Um, you know the share price is not representative of the value of the business at the moment. Um, I think we sort of lack, you know, a bit of trading volume, and um, and also the market is, um, you know, is on a bit of a down downward cycle. But uh, you know we're just sticking to our, our guns and um, and building as we uh, as we set out to do. Yeah, I think once um, once the the market hears more of the story and uh, and certainly says you know, continued um, sort of achievement of milestones and whatnot, and closer to. Uh, cash flow break even, yeah, that value should be recognised in the share price. Um, obviously, not uh, not advice, um, but I, I think the only other thing that I'd just like to close out was was just talking about your passion for the job. Mm. Um, yeah, what you know, ha- has it changed much since being listed? Is it more exciting? Is it more of a challenge? Um, and just get a bit more of an understanding on on what really drives you. Yeah, look, there are days where you, you know, you you start work at seven o'clock in the morning with calls overseas, and you finish at probably seven or eight o'clock at night, and uh, and they're long days, but they're they're enjoyable. You know, I um, you know, I love the challenge. Um, I've always been, um, you know, uh, entrepreneur, and I've always worked hard. I've always pretty much worked for myself as well. Um, you know, either with racing and sports or in my own businesses. So. Um, yeah, I mean, every day is exciting and I love coming to work and, and doing what I do. I mean, since we listed on uh, the stock exchange, I think it's really taken the business to a new level in terms of corporatizing it, which, you know, it's great to see, you know, we are, I mean, the people in the business feel that as well. You know, they, um, you know, they they really um, have taken a step up in terms of their corporate approach and they're, uh, they're thinking about where the business can go. I mean, previously it was essentially a family run business mm-hmm. between, you know, Gary and Robert. And now they can see there is opportunity for them to grow their own careers within the business as well, and uh, it's created a lot of excitement around that as well. So um, yeah, so it really has been a you know a net positive impact um, on the company and the profile of the company as well globally. Um, I think when you're listed on the ASX and you've gone through that process, it really is a um, you know it's a badge of honour in a way. And when you're dealing with customers and you mm-hmm. say we're listed on the ASX, if you want to have a look at our financials, you know you can just look at the half year results and the audit sure. results, and away you go. And it's pretty uh, pretty good shortcut. It's, yeah, it's, sure. it's quite compelling. So yeah, but it certainly helped us, and um, yeah, the future is bright. Uh, awesome. Thanks very much for joining us, Stephen. And if you wanted to learn more, uh, we'll insert a few different uh, resources in the show notes and whatnot. Um, but looking forward to learning more about the business and seeing it grow into the future and uh, yeah. and realizing value in the share price as well. well Thanks cool. very much. Thanks, Simon. Cheers. Cheers.